0: Show! This Hashem, this Sunday morning, there is going to be a Rosh Chodesh, special Rosh Chodesh uh, a davening here at Mayan, 8 o'clock, uh, comp- led by Moishi Storch, accompanied by uh, musical instruments, uh, in honor of uh, Rosh Chodesh Kislev, which is a very special and powerful month, may Shem um Month of Kislev, it's a month of Giyula, so uh, one needs to, we should really, 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 really greet that month with a lot of energy and a lot of life. So please come join us. Eight o'clock is Shachris, followed by Hallel, followed by Yesudas Chodesh. here at Mayan. Really, really uplift your soul. Thank you. Um, the, the, um, Shir tonight the Shir tonight was dedicated by Rachel Leah Adamon and this is in honor L'zecha Nishmas her mother Beverly Bas Irving whose yard site is this week may your neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights may she channel lots of brachas to you Rachel Leah a lot a lot a lot of good things in the material and in the spiritual wonderful wonderful uh, blessings to you. Thank you. Um, another dedication is by my uncle, Rabbi Yoina Landau. And this is in honor of his father's yurt site that is tonight. Reb Doiv ben Rabbi Yeshua Rabbi Erish Landau lived over here in in California, in Los Angeles. Very, very, very special Hasidish Yid May his Neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of, light, of heights. And may he be a mehlets and a, and a, and a, and a, and a good to better and bring a lot, a lot of brachas to you, to the whole entire Landau Mishpacha, and to all the Yidin here in the community, as the Landau's are unknown to have, be having a big extended family where everybody is their family. So may the brachas come down for everyone. Yashikoyach. Another dedication tonight was by Rabbi Velvil Tsikman. And this is in honor of the birthdays of his two sons, David and Herschel. One on the 24th and one on the twenty, which was yesterday, which was today. And one on the 27th of Cheshvin, in a couple of days. May Hashem bless them both with a Bracha a wonderful good year. And you have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of emas, a nachas from them. And uh, also, again, I mentioned last week, but a mazal tov on David's uh, upcoming wedding. should be a deyat, and you should only have lots and lots of nachas from all your children. And Hashem, very soon, grandchildren. All right. Ya'sha koyach, for all those who dedicated the CD this week is available still for a... A retroactive dedication. If anybody would want to do that, uh, please let us know. It's always very, very, very helpful uh, when someone sponsors the CD. It's a big expense and it uh, helps us do the great, great mitzvah of spreading light, teachings of Torah. I can't tell you how many times I meet people just last night. I met someone in a, on Pico in a restaurant. I don't know. And he comes out. I, 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 he said, oh, thank you, Rabbi, well, for all your teachings. I had no idea who this person was. And it was so nice. He said, I listened, my wife listened. we picked the CDs. So you yep. have no idea how much bracha and light and is just spreading all over. There's so many people. So anybody that wants to discuss the CD, please, please let me know, and that will be a very big mitzvah. Okay. All right, so the Torah tells us, and it's a very pertinent, a very simple class today, but it has a very powerful message very, very applicable, particularly to the times we're in right now. So the Torah tells us that um, Yitzchak, and the and parshas told us we have the story of Yitzchak and Esav, um, Yitzchak, Esav, and Yaakov, and the end is the dramatic story of the blessings, where Yitzchak l- likes his older son Esav, he doesn't know that Esav is a wicked person, and he wants to bless his son Esav, and then Rivka gets involved, and she ma- makes... Uh, Takes care and makes assures that while Esau is out doing a hunt in preparation for the blessings, um, Yaakov will come and will get to uh, take to have these blessings that were initially intended for Esau. So the Torah begins. However, how did all was all this made possible that Yaakov should be able to get the blessings? It all has to do with the fact that Yitzchak's eyesight was not the best. And the Torah says, Vahiki, this is the beginning of chapter 27, Parakhov Zion. Pasik says, Vahiki zaken Yitzhak, when Yitzchak became old, einov and his eyes became darkened from sight. Simply, it means that he couldn't see well. If it means he was completely blind, in certain midrashim, it, it seems like he was completely blind but you don't have to say so from the Pasuk and also Rashi doesn't seem to imply that he was completely blind just, the was it became dark and he didn't, he had very poor vision it's difficult to say that he was blind because we know Yitzchak was a oila, he was a korban and he remained a korban all his life because he, that was the reason why he was not allowed to go out of Eretz Yisrael he was considered a korban and, and he was never shechted so he was always a ready korban to Hashem, a ready sacrifice and we know one of the laws about a sacrifice is that it's not allowed to have a blemish. It's not allowed to have a mum. If Yitzhak would have been blind completely, then he would have had a mum. But now, at least in Derecha habshat, I'm not getting into halacha, the idea of someone, because the question is if someone doesn't have such good eyesight, Kohen, does that make them disqualified from working in the a in the Amikdash as a mum or not? But at least a habshat that's not considered a mum just because the one's eyesight is jeopardized a little bit. But Yitzchak couldn't see that well, and because of this, because he couldn't see, that's why the exchange was able to happen, and Yaakov was able to pretend that he's that he's Aesov, because Yitzchak couldn't see well. So obviously he was, even if you're not, even if you're going to say that he wasn't, uh, he wasn't blind, but his eyesight was severely impaired that he couldn't tell which one it was. Yaakov or Aisov. But in any case, the pasuk says, and he couldn't see. So um, the question is, why was Yitzhak blind? Or why was he why was his vision impaired? So the mafarshim give all kinds of reasons, Midrashim and so on and so forth. We have lots of reasons for the impaired vision of Yitzhak. Um, the Rajbam, and so the um, Rabbeinu Bahaya, the Radak, all say, very simple, he, he's old. The Pasuk just said, Yitzchak, Yitzchak became old. He was 123 years old at that time, as Rashi says, and because he was old, old people a lot of times, you know, lose part of their eyesight. So because of his age, he came of age, he lost his eyesight. And that's the reason he was, he, was, he couldn't see. Okay, very simple. Now, other, uh, but when we search in the other commentaries and medrash and other things, we begin to find other reasons for Yitzchak's imperial division. The Dazikena Mebale brings, and this is really, I think, a medrash Tanchuma. Um, no, to medrash Raba. And so it also brought brings down in the Baal Haturim. The Baal Haturim says the Dazikena Mebale says that this was a punishment to Yitzchak. Why was Yitzchak punished with impaired vision? The reason is because the Torah says there's one thing that blinds a person. There's one thing that causes a person to lose their vision. And that is accepting bribery. When someone accepts bribery, they become blind. Yitzchak accepted bribery. Why did Yitzchak love his older son, Esav? Because Esav would always... Basik says, Because he would bring him always food. Esav would go out hunting, and he would come back, and he would make a good barbecue, and he would bring all his food to Yitzchak. I'm talking, of course, on a very, very simple level, not on a deeper level, but on the most simplest of levels. He brought him always food. So he liked him. That means he accepted a bribe. Now, obviously... Just because he brought him food, that's not why he liked him. Because he brought him food, he couldn't anymore have a, a, a objective opinion. He was already subjective. He wanted to he wanted to love him as opposed to just you know seeing things for what they are. And because of that, uh, when you take shochet, it makes you blind. So Yitzchak was punished according to the Medresh Rabbah according as the Ta'az Canaan brings it Ba'a, Ba'a Turim, and I think uh, the Rabbeinu B'chaya it's all it was a punishment to Yitzchak now the Sephorinu um, also says it's a punishment but slightly different it's because when you see something bad and you have the ability to rebuke and you don't rebuke so then obviously you're not using your vision appropriately why did God give you the vision? If you see something, you should fix it. And if you're not using your vision... And and Yitzchak saw his son Esau do things that were improper, and he did not fix it. And because of that, he lost his vision. And he brings a a similar to that happened by Eli. Eli had sons that were misbehaving. Eli had a Kohen Gadol, in the time of Shmuel and Avi. And also it says his sons were not doing the way they were exactly what they were supposed to do. And there it says by Eli also that he lost his vision. So this is a form of a punishment for Yitzchak. The Medrish says, and Rabbeinu Bahaya brings a very interesting reason, also going along the lines of a punishment, which says that Yitzchak was punished for gazing at the Shechina. And here's where you see an amazing thing. You can be doing the most amazing act. But just because you're doing something really good doesn't excuse you for the non-good that you do with, along with it. God is very meticulous with all the aspects of everything. I'm talking about Yitzchak by the Akedas, Yitzchak by the binding of Yitzchak. He's in a state of the greatest Mesir nefesh Rashi describes how after he knew that he was going to the Ola, he went with the same joy like, his fa- like before he knew, and together with his father. So unbelievable Akedas Yitzchak. So Rashi says like so, so the Medrash says this is a Pirkei de Eliezer, and the, again Rabina Bahaya brings it that when Yitzchak was put on the name of he had a vision of the Shekhinah he saw the Shekhinah and he looked now we know you're not supposed to look at the Shekhinah that's the one of the reasons why or the reason why we cover uh, the Kohanim, right? You have to cover your, cover the, all the people in shul by the Birkat Kohanim by the blessing of the priests. Or the, uh, cover their cover their eyes because you can't look because on the hands of the Kohanim when they bless resides the Shekhinah. So in order, so because Yitzchak looked at the Shekhinah, that is the reason why Yitzchak was punished. Whether it happened to him immediately when he was thirty-seven at the time of the akedah, or whether it happened at a later time, it seems like it happened later. But it was still punishment for looking at the Shekhinah at that time. Then there's another few interesting other Purushim that are brought. uh, Who says, um, I think it's the Medrash. The Medrash Tanchuma says one of the reasons why Yitzchak became blind was because he looked at the face of a wicked person. You're not supposed to look at evil. We're not supposed to look at bad things. So looking at the face of of a Rasha harmed his vision the opposite was supposed to look at the face of a tzaddik so Yitzchak lost his eyesight because he looked at the face of a wicked person of Esau Then there's another explanation if Yitzchak would go on the street the, the eyes, when Yitzchak lost his vision it, it kept Yitzchak at home he didn't leave his house Ashi says later that a blind person is considered as if they died because they're kind of stuck in their house they can't go anywhere of So Yitzchak did not go out And it was a blessing for Yitzchak Why was it a blessing? Because if he would go out on the street People would say This is the father of that bandit Of that killer Of that ruthless murderer Of that Esav People would point to Yitzchak As the father of that, of, that of, of Esav Who was a very wicked person So to spear Yitzchak The pain and the the Chilol Hashem, so to speak, the desecration of God's name, of Yitzchak being the father of such a wicked person, so Hashem caused Yitzchak's eyes an impairment in his vision, so Yitzchak would stay home and he wouldn't go out. These are pretty interesting reasons why Yitzchak couldn't see. Rashi, what I'd like to do tonight, is let's explore the Rashi. Rashi himself gives three reasons for Yitzchak's impaired vision. So Rashi says like this. The first reason, reason that Rashi tells us why Yitzchak couldn't see is because his eyes were harmed by smoke. Yitzchak had daughter in laws. Asav married, just before this story, it says that Asav, when he was 40 years old, and that means Yitzchak was 100 years old at that time, Asav married two women Yehudis, Bas Be'eri, and Basmas Bas Elon. And these people sound very innocent. One is called Fragrance, Basmas. The other one is called Yehudis, which all are very, very righteous names. But Rashi says it's all part of Esau's deception. He marries very wicked people with very righteous names, kind of to, to portray himself as a very righteous person. But they were wicked, and they served idols. And part of their service of idols was they burnt incense. And as they burned the incense, the, the, and it created smoke. And that smoke harmed Yitzchak's eyes. And that's why Yitzchak couldn't see from the smoke. Now, in that itself, there's two ways of understanding. What does it mean he was harmed? The Mepharsham have various ways of understanding that. Either it's a physical thing, just simply from the smoke, from the physical smoke that, that went into his eyes, he was harmed. Or, it's more of a spiritual thing. Because it was for idols, for idolatry, Yitzchak couldn't handle it. And it disrupted his vision because of the holiness of Yitzchak. And this was such a tuma, this was such an impure smoke. And that's what harmed Yitzchak's vision. So therefore we couldn't see. That is, uh, so there's different ways of looking at it. You see in the Cheskuni and others, what exactly was the from the Medrash, which states this idea that he was harmed by the smoke, adds something there that that another a little what you say a little knetch adds a little little detail, and he says really what bothered Yitzchak was like this: the Shechina rested in Yitzchak's house all the time, but when these girls, these daughter-in-laws, started smoking their smoke, it caused the Shechina to leave Yitzchak's house the pain that Yitzchak had from the loss of the Shekhinah going away from him, the Divine Presence, departing from him caused Yitzchak to lose his vision. But Rashi doesn't say all of that. Rashi just says one small thing. Rashi says, from the smoke of these women, of Esau's wives, Yitzchak, this harmed Yitzchak's vision. Then Rashi says, Davarach are another purish. And Rashi says that when Yitzchak was taken to the Akedah, when Yitzchak was taken to be offered for a karban, when he was put on top of the wood, at that moment the heavens opened. The heavens split open. When the heavens split open, from below we can see up, and from up they can see down. So the angels in heaven, which usually are blocked from us, and we from them, and them from us, by the heavens, because they're above the heavens, or somewhere in the heavens, were able to see what was going down on earth. Which from this Rashi, by the way, if you read Rashi carefully, it seems like angels don't see what happens over here ordinarily. It's not their business to see, unless they have a mission. But now, because the heavens split open, and Rashi doesn't explain why the heavens split open, I would just imagine it split open because the greatest deed of all of mankind happened and that powerful deed caused the heavens to just break open and allow that energy of Mesir Nefesh to rise up to Hashem. Again, I'm just speculating it. Rashi just says the heavens split open at that time. What happens? When the angels saw what what was about to happen, that a father, and not just a father, Avram Avinu, was sacrificing his one and only son, the future of the Jewish people, the future of the world. It hurt the angels so deeply that they started crying. The tears of the malachim came dripping down and it dripped into the eyes of Yitzchak. And when tears of angels go into someone's eyes, they burn the eyes. And they caused Yitzchak's eyes to go to be damaged from the tears of the malachim. That's the second reason why Rashi gives for Yitzchak's impaired vision. And finally, Rashi gives us a third reason. Why did God make that Yitzchak's vision to be impaired was so, that Hashem did so intentionally? Because Hashem wanted Yaakov to get the blessings. If Yitzchak was to see a half-perfect 2020 vision, then Yaakov would never be able to get the, 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 the blessings. Because he would see that it's, that it's Yaakov, not Esau. So what does the to do? What does Hashem do? He dimmed his eyes so he can't see, so Yaakov should get the blessings. Three explanations. So this is above all the other explanations we said before. Rashi himself offers three interpretations. Now, we need to understand, particularly Rashi, we're going to examine the Rashi now, because we know that Rashi always, usually says, he says it himself many times, I stick to the simple meaning, the most pshat I stick always to the most literal interpretation I'm not looking for any midrashic interpretations as much as Rashi can get away with explaining something on the simplest of levels we always have to see the simplest explanation the question over here, why do we even need any explanation why Yitzchak's eyes became dimmed, why Yitzchak's vision was impaired the Pasek says clearly why it happened what does the Pusik say? It was when Yitzchak aged, and his eyes became darkened from being able to see. So the Pasik says clearly why it happened. He's old. And to support that, as I showed you earlier, other Mefarshim are satisfied with that. The Rajbam is satisfied with that. Rab- uh, Rabbeinubachaya is satisfied. The Radak. The pasuk says it. So why do we need an explanation, especially to come with three three explanations of for because of something special, whatever Yitzhak's eyes became became darkened. When the pasuk says he's an old man, his eyes became uh, weak from age. It says the same thing by Yaakov Avinu. It says the the, the Ene Yisrael and the eyes of Israel kavdu became. Are heavy mizoken, meaning became darkened mizoken mizoken from being very old. So you see that by Yaakov. So what's the whole? And Rashi doesn't have to explain why Yaakov's eyes became. It says Kovdu from, from age. So the here too, it says the hikizaken is flowing so so easily. The pasuk is explaining it himself. That Rashi has to come on with different with different explanations. The other thing we need to understand: Why does Rashi need three explanations? If he has to whatever explain why Yitzchak's and why Yitzhak's, uh, why Yitzhak's blindness, so he should have given us one explanation. Fine, that takes care of it. Why does he need three explanations? Whenever Rashi gives more than one pirush, we always know the rule, and I, we spoke about this at various different occasions. It's always because one explanation and is. Uh, one explanation won't work because there's a problem. There's some question that we will be left when we're studying, the chumash, the student that's studying, will be left with something that's just not... So therefore Rashi gives a second interpretation. That second interpretation answers a problem that the first, that the first explanation didn't resolve. So and, so, and that's in every case when there's more than one Purish in Rashi if there are three interpretations in Rashi, three explanations, we have to say that each one of these interpretations work, but don't work completely. Each one leaves you lacking. And you need the other one to answer the question that the first one was lacking. So you don't have... So there isn't even one explanation over here that from these three explanations that completely work, that explain it to a satisfactory state. So therefore, we need more than one explanation to take that a step further. Sometimes you have an explanation, you have a question on it, and you have another explanation that answers the question. And But you said the second question, the second explanation has another question, and therefore you need the first explanation. So you need, you need both. But between both of them, it should be satisfactory. It's good. But if we say that you have a third explanation and Rashi doesn't suffice with two which means that you have to say that any one of the three that were any two meaning just like we said before that one answer does not satisfy us so we have to say that two explanations together don't either satisfy that means every combination of, 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 of uh, answers you're going to give or explanations you're going to give two either two you'll pick you'll pick one or two or two or three There's something still lacking So that's why we need all three So what we need to understand is What is lacking in either one In each one individually And what is lacking As we take two explanations together And we're still lacking So to understand all of this Let's go back to the first question that we asked And that was Why do we need any explanation If the Pasek says Yitzhak turned old And here's a very, very, very beautiful explanation So the Lubavitcher Rebbe says like this He says, when you're reading the Pesukim, you read just in the Pesukim before, in Parshas Chayesara, that when Avram Avinud passed away, God came to visit Yitzchak. Hashem himself came to visit Yitzchak. And Hashem blessed Yitzchak. And Rashi says, Avram was afraid to bless Yitzchak because he he was afraid that if he blesses Yitzchak, part of that blessing will go to Esav, and Esav was wicked. So Avram didn't bench Yitzchak. So he said, let the master of all blessings bless him, let God bless him. So God comes and blesses Yitzchak. Now we understand that when you receive a bracha, imagine if you say, you know, I was by this and this tzaddik, and I got from him a blessing. So expect that after you receive a blessing from, and especially if the tzaddik gave you a blessing, not just for one particular thing. He gave you a blessing for a very, very good life. You'd expect that after a person received a blessing from a tzaddik for a very good life, they would have a very good life. Now if God himself comes to bless Yitzchak and he gives him a blessing, which included everything, Torah doesn't say anything specific, it was a a big blessing. So then we would expect that Yitzchak has a pretty decent life afterwards, right? At least decent. And here we find out that what? That Yitzchak is 125, 123 years old now. Rashi makes the calculation of how we know that he's 123 years old. But he's 123, which is pretty old. But not for a person who's going to live to 180. So he still has 57 years in his life to live. For the last 57 years of his life, for the last 57 years of his life, Yitzchak is a blind man. You hear that, Meshach Gass? Yitzchak is a blind man for 57 years of his life. He's living, in, and Rashi says later that he, it's considered like a dead person. So he's suffering. From, from having impaired vision, he's suffering. So, you wonder, after Hashem's blessing, we should find that, that to have a good life. Yitzchak is going to suffer so much. It, 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 something, something is wrong. Especially since we don't find until now in the Torah anybody who's losing their eyesight when they're turning, when they're turning old. I mean, maybe you can say other people, people did. But we don't find, at least until this point in the Torah, we don't find that. And Yitzchak was not that old. Avram was much older than him. Uh, it says Avram of Sarazakania, but it doesn't say that Avram lost his eyesight. And even when Yaakov lost his, his eyesight, that again it's all the way at the end of his life, but Yitzhak is still gonna live 57 years and he's gonna live with, with, with a with, with an imperial division. So just to say that this is natural aging is problematic after you receive the abe Hashem's personal blessing Va Hashem, that Hashem blessed him. Therefore, Rashi is very uncomfortable in accepting. that Yitzchak cannot see just because he became old and his eyes were distorted just because of old age. Therefore Rashi Rashi came to the conclusion that there must be something, some external factor which caused this to happen for a particular reason. other was naturally he would have lived, he would have been a healthy person because of the blessing blessing of Hashem. There could be, there was something there that got in the way. Fine. So that that, that that is not Akasha, how that happened. The Abishta blesses him in general. And when there's something there, okay, fine. So there's there something impeding on Yitzchak. So therefore Rashi felt that there has to be some other aspects over here that cause Yitzchak to lose his vision. So, that's the reason why Rashi brings us now three interpretations. So the first explanation Rashi gives, now whenever, I mean, I said earlier, there's always a problem. All three of them don't, are not perfect. So therefore... But which one are we gonna? Which one is Rashi gonna put first? From if he has to come up with other solution, and as we're gonna see, each one has a problem. But which one is he gonna put first? The one that's the most likely, the one that's the most likely, meaning that Rashi feels that the question, that this, the, the, the problem with this one is the least than all the others. There's this particular reason why the first that Rashi puts his what's his first explanation, that 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 Yitzchak's eyes were harmed. By, by the smoke that they were smoking. Why was this? Per- because, from all the reasons, this is the only one that is stated in the pasuk. Meaning to say, the the this is a simple question. When you're reading over here and you're finding that Yitzchak gets blind, you can immediately be questioning the question: Why is Yitzchak blind when he has a bracha from the Abishter to to, to to have a good life? So why is Yitzchak blind? So it makes sense that the answer to that question should be at least somewhere hinted to in the Pasuk. That by learning the Pasuk, the Pasuk is already giving you an explanation, so it shouldn't bother you, because it's already, it's, it should be obvious. Well, it's obvious, but the first explanation is very obvious. Why is it obvious? Because when the Pasuk says that Yitzhak turned blind, they became blind, that Yitzhak's eyes became, it says it immediately after telling us that Asaf married, uh, these two women. And it says in the Pasuk explicitly that these two women caused a lot of aggravation to Yitzhak. They tormented Yitzhak. That they were tormenting Yitzchak and Rifka. That they could. why with their avodah zarah, With their idolatry. So the, and when you read a minute later that what the Pasuk, the next Pasuk, and Yitzhak of So then by the juxtaposition, but this that the Torah puts one next to the other, you can deduce that the reason why Yitzchak became blind has to do with what I just said before. All the other explanations that Rashi gives, as we're going to see the explanation of his eyes becoming blind from the Akedah, from the Malachim crying, or Yitzchak becoming, so that he should be able to take the blessings, is not something that you can see in the Pasuk, it's something, it's not, but this is directly here, what you see, in this pasik itself, you already have the answer because it was already given to you in the last pasik of what happened. That's why Rashi felt that this Pirush is his strongest Pirush, his strongest explanation of why Yitzhak became blind. The problem we have, however, with this explanation is why would we think that these two women, Asaph's wives, if they are being makter for Avodazara, if they're burning incense for Zarah, for idols, why were they doing it in Yitzchak's house? We would imagine that Esau lived in a house and his wives were with him in a different house. They're not living with their mother-in-law and their father-in-law in in the house. So why, if they're smoking their... Just a simple question. If they're smoking their smoke, therefore avodah zara, what's it happening in Yitzchak's house that it should be bothering and should cause that should cause Yitzchak to become blind? And this that you say, now maybe not, maybe they lived in the house. Maybe they did live in the house. So you see later in the parsha that Rivka took Esau's clothing, imma babayas that she has in the house. So Rashi's bothered, why is Esau's clothing doing, why is Esau's clothing not in Esau's house? Why are they by Rivka? So Rashi says, because Esau didn't trust his wives. And this was a very, very expensive, very, very... This was like a, 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 an item that was... Uh, what do they call it? A, uh, because this was taken from Nimrod. This was a very special uh, thing. It was actually uh, goes back a whole history of this, this special garment. So because of this, he didn't trust his wives, so he gave it to his mother. So you see clearly that they didn't live together in one house. right? So that's, it's interesting. The Cheskuni actually says that the reason they the Pasuk says that before this that Aesov's wives tormented Yitzchak and Rivka was actually and that the reason why Esau's wives tormented Yitzchak and Rivka was so that Yitzchak and Rivka should kick them out of the house or else he says they would have lived with their parents, with their, with their mother-in-law but with their father-in-law and mother-in-law but because of their their their, their they, they aggravated Yitzhak and Rivka with their with their idolatry. So because of that, this caused that Yitzhak should that they should they should expel them from the house. And why was it so important? So God initially orchestrated this, is the Chaskuni says. The reason God initially orchestrated that is because the Abishta very, very, very much wanted that. Esau's wives should not be in the house. Because if Esau's wives would have been in the house, then what would have happened? They would have noticed when Yaakov is coming to receive the blessing instead of Esau. So the Ebershton wanted them out of there. So that's the reason. But Al Akhoponim, what do you see? That they didn't live in the house. If they didn't live in their house, so why is there smoke harming Yitzhak? The other question that the Mephoshim all ask, if they were smoking... So why is only Yitzchak's eyes harmed? Why not Rivka? Rivka obviously has very good vision. She sees what's going on over here. She knows, she tells Yaakov to come, and so on and so forth. So she can see. The only difference between Rivka and Yitzchak is she's much younger than him. Fine. But if we're going to say that the reason why his eyes became impaired was not because of age, but because of the smoke that harmed his eyes, so why Dafka Yitzchak and not Rivka? Now the Mefarshim asked this question, and Mefarshim actually give an interesting answer. They say that Rivka grew up in a house of idolatry. Yitzchak grew up in a, in a holy home. Yitzha, Rivka grew up in a house of idolatry. It took only three years, but she was accustomed to it. So therefore this unholy smoke wasn't damaging to her. The unholy smoke was only damaging to who? To Yitzchak, not to Rivka. So she was a kind of a He, would, Because of his extreme sensitivity, it damaged him. This is only a good explanation if what? If we are, if we're learning that it was a spiritual kind of a heart. It had to do with the fact that it was idolatry. So you can say that, but if we say that what? Wow, that it wasn't spiritual heart. It's just a physical aspect that this hurt Yitzchak's eyes because of the smoke. Then Rivka should have been the same. No difference Yitzchak and Rivka. It's interesting, the medrash actually says, uh, the medrash asks this question, why did Yitzchak and not Rivka? And again, from the medrash it implies that it was a spiritual kind of a damage. So the medrash gives an answer, but the medrash says an interesting thing. The reason why it didn't harm Rivka and it harmed Yitzchak is because the medrash says, because a woman can't really harm another woman. But a woman can harm a man, she can't harm another woman. And the medrash says why? Because the woman is made out of, because the woman is made out of a bone, and uh, the man is made out of dust. Because God created the first person, earth dust from the ground. If you take a bone and you smash it on a on a on an earthenware, it's gonna break. But if you take bone and you smash it on bone, it doesn't break. So therefore, it's just, an, it's just an interesting medrash. So the medrash says, since Rivka is a woman, and these were other women troublemakers, she's got enough resilience and strength not to be broken by these other women. But Yitzchak, they drove him crazy. They were able to break Yitzchak, spiritually, they were able to break Yitzchak and cause him such aggravation until he was literally harmed him and not Rivka. Because on Yitzchak, their bone on earth... And by Rifka, it's bone on bone. And bone on bone does it. I don't know what the application of this, that a woman can't really harm another woman. But she can harm a man. That's what it says. Back to what we're saying. The, the, but this question on the simple level is: why did this not harm Rifk and it only harmed Yitzchak? How about the wives of Esav? Why weren't they harmed by the smoke? The answer, and the answer is maybe they were. Doesn't we don't have any clear indication that they weren't blinded maybe from all the smoke they were also harmed their eyes well we can say better since they were the ones who were actually doing it they would put on they, they knew how to protect their eyes because they knew when they are doing it but Yitzchak he's, he's, not, he's not the one doing it how about Esau? how come it doesn't say Esau became blind? so the Rebbe says a he says Esau was an ishsadeh he was a man in the field it's just very simple I'm just, I, 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 sometimes there's, there's such genius and simplicity the Pesach says that Asa was a man in the field, so he was never home, so he didn't—he wasn't affected by the smoke. He was a hunter, he was out in the field. But Yitzchak and Rivka were sitting in the house, and they were smoking, and the smoke harmed them. But Al-Kamponim harmed Yitzchak, why didn't it harm Rivka? So therefore, because of these questions, the first answer is not such a perfect answer, because it will still leave us with the question. Two things. Again, we can't say he became he became visually impaired because of age, because he received the special bracha from the from Hashem. We can't, and now to answer that it's because of the smoke, which would have been the preferable answer, because that's derived directly from the pasuk right over here. The problem with that, however, is we're saying now, why are, since, why would they not be in their own house smoking their smoke? Why are they doing it in, 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 in Yitzchak's house? And secondly, if they aren't doing it in Yitzchak's house, why isn't Rifke part of this? Doesn't she get damaged, and only Yitzchak? So therefore Rashi offers another two explanations. The second explanation Rashi offers is the explanation that Yitzchak's eyes became damaged by the Malachim crying during Akedas Yitzchak. The problem with this answer, it resolves this question. Why only Yitzchak and not Rivka? And we can also understand why, even though Yitzchak was blessed, but still he had this a special something that caused his eyes to be damaged. Fine. The problem we will have with this explanation is simply that you're dealing with a far-fetched thing. You're outside of the realm of pshat. You're pretty much outside of. I when we say it's outside of the realm of pshat, the whole idea that by the, the Allah are crying and tears are falling together. Medrash is great, but this is not pshat. But I was also actually also bothered. I mean, just the, the physical elements of that. Do we say that angels are physical? That when they're crying, they drop wet tears, salty tears, that they come down and go into your eyes. I mean, the whole idea of an angel is a spiritual entity. Unless you say that when the, that's what Rashi means, the sky is open. When the sky opens, then the spiritual tears of the angels can come down into the physical world, because you don't have the barrier between the spiritual and the physical. And when it comes down in the physical world, it translates into a physical, acidy type of a substance that can burn the eyes. Whatever it is, it's very midrashic, and because it's very midrashic, even though it's a good answer, but your Rashi, as we said earlier, likes to stick as much as we can with pshat. So just to just to re, to rely on this itself is not is not is not the best. So therefore, Rashi needs a third explanation. What's his third explanation? The third explanation that Rashi gives is, as we said, so that Yitzchak, so Yaakov will get the blessings. The and purposely made Yitzchak's blind so that Yaakov should be able to get the blessing. So this, it's an intentional aspect that God does. Rashi put this answer, it seems to be very, 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 very very straightforward, very, very simple. But Rashi puts this one the last because there's something extremely bothersome with this that Rashi was very uncomfortable with. What Rashi was uncomfortable with this answer is that, is is simply, according to this, Rashi is hurting Yitzchak for the benefit of Yaakov. To go and hurt someone, even if you want to give benefit for someone else, but to go and hurt someone, and we're not dealing with a small hurt, the Abishter is causing Yitzchak to be blind for 57 years, and not for a benefit for him, but for a benefit for someone else. There's a certain discomfort. I mean, if we need to say it, we will say it. But it's not glut. Meaning there's something over here that is bothersome. That that God should bring a pain, a suffering, an impairment on someone, and it should only be... Ultimately, you can say, well... It's ultimate Yitzhak's blessings that is that is it's ultimate a blessing for Yitzhak so that his blessing doesn't go to the wrong place and he doesn't empower Esau. and then he's gonna look from up there in Shemai and the rest of his life and see what kind of empowerment he gave to the wicked, and that's gonna hurt him forever. I understand that. But on the simple level down here, you're hurting Yitzhak in order to help to help Yaakov. So that and that question was so bothersome. So Rashi is only gonna use that answer because he doesn't have any other explanation. So that's his. Last explanation, and he saves it for last. Because the problem with this is an essential problem. The other problems are less, are less problematic. I mean, they're, they're problematic and, and, and because of other reasons. But this is essentially difficult to swallow. So therefore, Rashi puts this as last. But as I said earlier, we have to say that each one of Rashi's explanations has a certain quality that both the other explanations don't have. Because if each one wouldn't stand out with some special something, then we would be able to suffice with two answers, we wouldn't need a third. So we have to say that each one of them stands out with something that makes it unique. So the first answer that Rashi gave is unique and is special, meaning to say it has a quality of, is it's the only one that is kind of stated in the Pasach itself. Okay, So that's why it, this, this answer is is, 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 is is stated even if we could kind of take care of all the problems with the other two answers we still want to say this one because this one has a quality because in this explanation you can explain the pasuk based on the verses themselves without having to come on to something else what is special about the second pshat that that, that Yitzchak's eyes became impaired by the, by the tears what is special with that pshat over all the other ones is that here according to all three purushim Yitzchak's eyes were... were Yitzchak received. Yaakov got the brachas. Yaakov in the end gets the blessings. As a result... All three explanations agree that the reason Yaakov got the brachas was from Yitzchak's blindness. That's for sure. Because the passage says so. Because he was blind, or at least visually impaired, Yaakov got the blessings. That we see. However... According to the first explanation and the last explanation, which are they? First explanation is because of the smoke. The last explanation is so be, in order to be able to trick Yitzhak, comes out. Here's an interesting thing: that the cause, which is the blindness, the blindness, which is the cause of the blessing, is a is a negative thing. What do you mean a negative thing? Why is Why is Yitzchak blind according to the first explanation? Because of smoke from idolatry, from Avodah Zarah. So what do we have from here? That it was idolatry. Hear this. What's going to come out over here is that smoke from idolatry is what is actually the cause, what's causing Yitzchak, the the brachas, to come to Yaakov. Comes out that Yaakov's blessing, in a sense, is coming from from a shameful thing. It's coming from, again, had Yitzchak not been exposed to this smoke, he would have healthy eyes and Yaakov would have not gotten the blessings. But now, you know, we, in, in, in Torah we always have such a thing called a gramma. A gramma means when something is gorem, something else. Something causes something else. And you always want that the gorem for something, not just do you want a positive experience, but you want that the gorem should something, the cause of it should also be positive. Here, the gorem of the, of the blessing is a very negative thing. It's smoke from Avdazara that leads Yaakov to get the blessing. Also, the last pirish of Rashi has that same problem. Why? Why does God make Yitzchak blind? And the blindness is the cause of the blessing. Is because otherwise Yitzhak is loves Esav. Yitzchak ha- and that's a shameful thing. We all don't understand why does Yitzchak love Esav. It doesn't make any sense. But the bottom line, the fact that Yitzchak liked Esav and he loved them is not a good thing. It's an inion of, of Gnus. It's, an, it's, not, it's not a praise for Yitzchak. He didn't know his own children? Okay. Whatever the explanation is, there's something wrong over there. comes out that there is a negative aspect. The blindness is because of a negative thing. It's because of Yitzchak being distorted in his understanding of his children. Or because of the smoke of the Avodah Zarah. It's a negative thing that's leading to the blessing. In the second pirush, however... Yitzchak's blindness, which is the source of the blessing, is not a negative thing. Yitzchak's blindness comes from the tears of the malachim, of the angels that comes from the Akedas Yitzchak. In other words, the greatest moment of Yitzchak's life, a mitzvah, not just a mitzvah, a mitzvah, the greatest mitzvah being meiser Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem, for him to give is, be ready to give, stretch his neck out for God. That great heroic act and ultimate sacrifice and selflessness of Yitzchak, that's what leads to the blessings of Yaakov. That causes him to be blind, and that enables Yaakov to receive the blessings. Ah, that's kishmak. That's beautiful. So now Yaakov's blessing is coming out of something very positive and not something negative. So there's something special in the second pishon. There's also a second benefit that we get in, that's only in the second explanation, not in the other two. And that is, according to this, Yitzchak is already blind from 37 years old. Or at least he's visually impaired from a much, much younger age. And that will explain already the whole parsha. If you accept that, then the whole parsha is already explained. Because the whole parsha were bothered with one question: How could Yitzchak Avinu, such a great person, mistake Esau, who who's like the biggest brute and the biggest sinner? How could he mistake him and think he's a tzaddik? And the answer is: If you're blind, he was pretty. Asa was was able to mess around with Yitzchak all the time because Yitzchak can't see. Because he can't see, he, can, he was able to trick him on the simple level. I'm not going into the idea that a tzaddik should be able to know someone without seeing them, just by you know, on the simple level. He couldn't see him. So there is something to gain from this pirish that it answers. What is supreme with the last pirish That only you have in the last explanation, you don't have in the other two. Why? And that is, according to the last explanation, we understand why Yitzhak's blindness started now. The Pasuk says, Yitzhak. Yitzhak became old. Oh, again, from the, from the Pasuk, from the simple reading of the Pasuk, it seems to imply that Yitzchak only became blind now, not at an earlier state in his life. Because the pasuk says it. If he became old, and then vatechen According to the other Pirushim, Yitzchak's blindness starts much earlier. Why? If we say that Yitzchak became blind because of the Akedas Yitzchak, that happened when he was 37 years old. So that's a long time earlier. If we say, now, but by the way, I do want to say, From the medrash, it seems to imply that even though the drops fell into his eyes then, it didn't immediately harm him. Those drops remained simmering in his eyes for all this time, and it only caused the blindness to happen in a later age. In other words, it was, it was affecting him all along those tears that were sitting in his eyes. That's what it's... But I'll be posh this. On the simple level, when you're reading Rashi, the tears went into his eyes, so I'll, it's simply, on a simple level, it's, it's possible to say, or it makes sense to say, the blindness started much earlier. If the blindness started at the age of uh, 37, why would the Torah only... Um, why would the Torah say... Rather, it should have said like this... Yitzchak no was, was, had difficult seeing and and he also became old the oldness comes after not before his 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 he's becoming his aging happened later also according to the explanation that Yitzchak became blind because of the smoke of these girls that were smoking the uh they were smoking the, 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 the incense to the, to the idols. Well, what age was that? That happened, I mentioned earlier, Yitzchak was 60 years old when he got married. Sorry, he was 40 years old when he got married. He waited 20 years, he didn't have any children until he, till he was, Yitzchak, the Pasik says, Yitzchak was 60 years old when his twins were born to him. When Esau got married, the Torah says that Esau was 40 years old. So now Yitzchak is 100. So these girls moved into whatever, they started their thing at 100. And it's hard to say that it took 23 years till Yitzchak was affected by that smoke. If they're smoking all along, so why does the Torah, so I'll be pastis, this harm to the eye could have happened much earlier. Now the Pasuk, however, seems to be saying that the harming of Yitzchak's eyes happened now. And therefore, there is, only according to this last pirush, do we understand the words of the Pasuk make sense. (laughs) Because the other ones, it should have been first, and then So here you have an explanation on Rashi. But here I want to present just a simple question. According to this last pirush, that God, the only reason God blinded Yitzchak, was so that Esau should be able to, rec- Yaakov should receive the blessings and not Esav. And it's true, I mentioned earlier. There's, dif- there's a difficulty with this pshat. The difficulty with this pshat, with this explanation, is that what? It seems very unfair that Hashem should hurt Yitzchak to bless Yaakov. Why does Yitzchak have to be hurt? Okay, I'm not getting into that question. That remains problematic and that's why Rashi leaves that for the last. He doesn't put those pierced earlier. But I have another question. To resolve this problem with Yitzchak being able to see to re- that Yitzchak shouldn't... Sorry, to resolve the problem that Esav shouldn't receive the blessing and it should go to... and it should go to... Um, should go to Yaakov, you have a much simpler way to dealing with it. And what's the... If God really wants Yaakov to get the blessing... And not Esau is a simpler way of dealing with it. And that is very simple. God calls Yitzhak over to a corner. And he whispers in his ear. And he basically tells him, you should know that Esau is not exactly what you think he is. Esau is a pretty bad guy. That's all it would have taken. Just like Hashem told Avram, like, you know, listen, to, listen to Sarah in regards to Yishmael. Hashem, All that Hashem has to do is tell Yitzchak that that Esau is a wicked person. Especially that it seems like Yitzchak was kind of a little bit already. You know, there was some idea that Esav is not such a tzaddik. First of all, how do you know that? From his wives, he marries these women and they're serving to and they're serving uh, they're serving idols. You can answer and you can say that it was his, that Yitzchak thought it's only his wives, not him, and he can't stop that. But already, you know, the fact that he has these, the, that he has wives that are that are serving to idols, was enough probably to put some kind of a doubt in Yitzchak's head. Increase and to make to make it stronger later, when Yitzchak walked into Yaakov, what does it say? That that no, I'm sorry. When Yaakov pretended that he's Esav, what? And Yitzchak couldn't see what alerted Yitzchak that it's that maybe there's someone here playing a trick on him. Because Yaakov mentions God's name, he asked him, well, "How did you get back so quickly?" And Yaakov said, and, "And Yaakov says, because God was the one who made it happen. God helped me." So Yitzchak right away said, "Epishmeknished over here. Something doesn't fit over here. Why? Asa doesn't have God's name on his mouth. Does he? he's not used to speaking Hashem's name?" So you see clearly that in Yitzchak's mind, Asa was. I mean, he he had some suspicion. If this is the case, what would have been so bad if God would have would have um, validated his suspicion and told him that what that Yitzhak is a wicked that Asav is a wicked person, and then he would save not having to keep Yitzhak blind for fifty seven years. All he has to do is tell him that Esav is wicked and finished. But here there is a very now it's interesting. I just want to say one very. Very gewalding a thing. The Ramban, by the way, just parenthetically, which I saw this today, I've never seen this. The Ramban, where Rashi says, where Rashi says that Yitzchak didn't want to, that Yitzchak saw, that Yitzchak said that Esau doesn't usually mention God's name. So the Ramban asked the question, but in Yitzchak's eyes, Esau is not a wicked person. So why wouldn't he mention Hashem's name? So the Ramban says something interesting. Yitzchak was so trained To be Don Esav Lakavtova. Tova Yitzchak was so trained To give Esav the benefit of the doubt Even this that Esav did not Did not um, Mention God's name frequently Yitzchak had an excuse for it You know what excuse was Since he's a hunter And he's very very distracted with his hunting He's afraid That he, he might mention God's name In, a, in an impure place you hear that? He might because because he's so involved in the hunting, he might be in a place where you're not supposed to mention Hashem's name, or you see how, or, or he says it's possible that Esav doesn't want to chas say Hashem's name without complete kavanah. So and since he's a hunter, he gets uh, and a uh, uh, hunting takes a lot of focus, and at that moment he won't have. His, so therefore, Esav on purposely trained himself not to say God's name, and Yitzchak thought that was a yirashamayim on Esav's part. That's how, or you can, you, you can either say that's how Yitzchak was sharp in the mitzvah of what? Of Danas Kaladam lekav to always try to find merit. Or you can say that's how, what a tricker, that's what a deceptive, that's how strong Asa's deception was that he was able to portray himself to such a as such a Tzadik, such a God-fearing man that his father thought. But it's interesting, that's what Ramban says. But on the simple level, as I mentioned earlier, Yitzchak was pretty suspicious already about this Esau. So why couldn't God just let him in on the secret? And the answer is, and this is a Gavaldigi answer, God doesn't speak any Lashon Hara. That's the whole answer. The Abishter does not speak Lashon Hara. The Abishter doesn't speak bad about someone. And God is not going to say. The Abishter is not going to tell Yitzhak. Yitzhak didn't figure it out himself. So the Abish did not tell Yitzchak because it would be Lash and Hara on First of all, Esav is considered a Jew, by the way. He's considered a Jew, a Jew a, 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 because he has a Jewish father and a Jewish mother. He's a Yisrael Mumer. He's a Jew who's a considered a, a, an apostate, but he's still a Jew. And you're now going to speak Lash and Hara on a Yid. So I'll share with you an interesting passage in the Gemara. The Gemara says like this in the Gemara Masechtah Sanhedrin. The Gemara says that Rabbi Gamliel, it's Gavaldig Gemara, Masechtah Sanhedrin, page eleven, Daf Yud Aleph. The Gemara says Rabbi Gamliel once said to, to people. Rabbi Gamliel was the Nasi and he had to proclaim the new month. So he told people come up to the attic, because you, the halacha is that when you have a in making the new month, they're supposed to be told about it already the night before. You have to be them. You have to set them aside. So he told seven people come up to the attic. I, Come up, to the, come up tomorrow, you'll be ready for tomorrow because we're going to do this thing when he went up there, he found there were 8 people sitting there he called 7 and there were 8 so he says, please tell me which was the one that was not invited whoever was not invited no, he didn't say that whoever was not invited, because one person wasn't invited over there please leave Shmuel HaKatan was there he was one of the great men and Shmuel HaKatan got up and he, and he said I wasn't invited, it was me I wasn't called over here I actually came up here to learn and therefore I'm leaving I came up here just for my own benefit but I left, and he left the Gomorrah says that Shmuel HaKatan was one of the, one of the people that were invited why did he leave? because he didn't want to embarrass the person that came uninvited so he kind of volunteered himself and he says I was uninvited and he left okay and then, but, no, he didn't leave. Rebbe Gamaliel told him, you sit, you stay over here because, you know, you're worthy, whatever. He kept him in there. But Akapanim, he was ready to leave. Then the Gemara says, um, uh, he didn't want to embarrass someone. Then the Gemara says like this, Rebbe. Rebbe was once teaching his students and one of the students had really bad breath. Rebbe said, who ate garlic? Rebbe was being, Rabbi HaKash, the other, was being disturbed by this garlic stench. And Rebbe said, who ate garlic should please leave. So Chia stood up and he left. When Chia left, everyone else left. So then, um, the next day, Rebbe Shimon meets Chia, And he said, you're the one who caused my father pain. Why do you eat Garlic. So he said, no, 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 something like this should not happen amongst the Jewish people. Meaning to say, I didn't, eat, I didn't eat the garlic. But I didn't want whoever ate the garlic would have to have been embarrassed. So therefore I decided in order to save the person from embarrassment that I'm going to leave. So he left, everybody else left, fine. But the, the way the marshal learns, what he was really saying is that even if this caused Bittel Torah, Rabbi didn't have a share that day. Imagine, you know, uh, I prepare her Monday night. You know, imagine, No one is there. No one came. <laughs> Rebbe did not give a share that day. Rebbe is at fault. And the reason he's not doing it, it's better that there shouldn't be a share than one person being embarrassed. Fine. Now you have the next one. And where, the Gemara says, where did he know, know, learn this? Speaking from Reb Meir. A woman walks into Reb Meir's shul, base madrash, a woman, and she says, I don't know who it was, but one of you guys, one of the over here, came over to me and betrothed me. And I need a get. I need a get. Someone just on the street came over to me. I don't know who it was, but it was one of you. And Remea said it was me. And he goes and he gives her a get. And the reason for that was... Um, no, actually she said not... not uh, he said one of them had... One of them betrothed me through through having an intimate relations with her because one of the ways you can betro a woman is through if, through through money giving a ring through writing a document the gomar says the third thing is by having a, 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 an intimacy with the woman and having in mind that this is for kidushin so he this woman comes in and someone had relations with me and and, through, and, and was mikdash me and remeyer said here I'll give you the get imagine the embarrassment that Reb is doing for himself. Because he doesn't want Chas for one of his students, whoever it was, to be embarrassed. Fine. And, and what happened was, once Reb did it, then you say, hold it. One of them did it, so one of them has, she needs a get, it's not kosher. Once Reb did it, everybody wrote the get. So in the end, what happened? She got her get from one of them, and no one got embarrassed, because no one knew who it was. Fine. And then finally... The Gemara says, from where did they learn it out? The Gemara says, from Yahushua. When one of the people took from the spoils of Jericho, one of the people took from Achan, took from the spoils of Yerichai, the Abishter Yeshua, began trying to figure out who's the guy who sinned. And he starts investigating who, whatever, and Hashem Hashem tells Yeshua, because the Jewish people died in war, and Yeshua fell to the ground. He's crying, God, how do you let the Jewish people fall in war? Like, you, you promised us you'd take us into the land and, and here Jews died and God said the Jewish people sinned. And really it was only one person that sinned. God said the Jewish people sinned. So Yeshua said, who is the one? Tell me who. And God says, do, am I a gossiper? Am, do I slander? You want me to tell you who it is? You'll figure it out on your own. So Yeshua had to do a whole thing, and through that he figured it out. Everybody passed in front of the RO, and there was a whole thing, but God said, I won't tell you. So you see from here that what? That you don't point out publicly someone's sin. You just don't do it. This is particularly pertinent and very, very, very applicable to us today. Because outside on the street right now, as we are speaking, and this is the news every single day more and more and more, is that there is a powerful movement in publicizing the sins of individuals. Now, in general, this is very Messianic, meaning there's something about it in which I've mentioned in other times that mountains of Klippah, of, of powerful forces of unholiness are being crushed. It's the Harem uh, Kadoy Namasu, mountains in front of God because Hashem is coming to the world momentarily with the coming of Mashiach. The mountains of Klippa are melting like, like in front of the fire of Hashem like, like wax will, melts in front of a fire. And we also know that one of the signs of the world purification is just like with gold. When gold is mixed Good and bad, because people wonder. Like we say, is the world? We say the whole time that Mashiach is coming. The world is ready for Mashiach. Why is the world ready for Mashiach? Quite on the contrary, there's so much schmutz, there's so much garbage, there's so much sin, and then you see, it's all it's all it's all over the place. It's plastered everywhere. But that itself is a sign of healing, because just like when you have gold and you take it out, you mine it from the ground, it's a mixture of good and bad. But when you melt it and you and in order to, to make the gold high quality gold, what you do is. You 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 put it in the in the in the in this uh, in this oven or the kiln or whatever it is, and the the, the melting is able to separate the bad from the good, and it comes to the certain then you can clean it up. So when all this negativity becomes exposed, when all this uh, all, all this corruption becomes exposed, it's actually a Moshiach design. Especially when we have these self-righteous organizations that have kind of lectured the world with whatever sense of morality that they believe is 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 the ultimate morality and the ultimate correct. And we know that they're not holy. And when now it's it's this this th- that that organization is being toppled and collapsing. That's a godly thing. That's a Mashiach thing. So without any doubt. On the other hand, there is a very very great danger, and that is based on there is a saying. It says like this. Yiddish is saying, so what does that mean? Simply, it means, literally translated, the way the Christians behave, so Jews behave. In a broader sense, it means as the secular environment behaves, the behavior of the secular environment influences uh, Jews and even Torah observant Jews. There is a certain give and take. We influence them, they influence us. There is a back, there's any any kind of a relationship that's going to happen. And therefore, God forbid there should become a, a notion. In Torah observant in, in a Jewish world and people that are trying to live their lives according to Torah, that it becomes, a the 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 uh, permission is granted and it becomes actually the 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 first step to take in a situation of abuse is to immediately go and publicize it and and basically today we have methods of publicizing things to the entire world. What we have to realize is that is called lashon hara. It is lashon hara. Now. Does that mean that on certain instances we allow lush and hara to be said in order to prevent some kind of an atrocity, some kind of abuse? Um, that's possible, but for that there is there is guidelines. the the notion that 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 just because someone did something wrong, or maybe even sinned 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, or maybe it was even just last week to notify and say, well, this person is pretending to be a rabbi or a, or, a, or, or some other uh, refined or elevated human being, and yet they're a low life, and therefore it's, permis- it's permis- permissible to speak about this to everyone and, and, and publicize it. Not exactly the case. There is Torah law that needs to be, the, that needs to be consulted. There is no license for Lashon Hara. So let me explain something, but I want to make something very clear. There are two things that the Torah considers as the worst thing that can possibly happen to a person. And that is, number one, being killed, and the other one, being sexually abused, raped and the like. That is why. Where do we see that? The Torah gives a person life, literally life, the human life becomes absolutely valueless when there's a threat to another person's life and to, God forbid, the violation of, a, of an individual. That means if someone is running after a person to either kill them or to rape them, the and so then the person himself that is being that is that is being uh, 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 um, pursued, or any bystander, is not only permitted but has the obligation to do whatever they can to stop this abuse or this from being perpetrated, and to even if it requires taking the perpetrator's life meaning the person who wants to do this thing, to take them before they can harm, like in Texas by the shooter, if someone shoots this maniac before they can kill others, uh, then they did a biggest mitzvah. Um, And the same is, now again, even over there, there there's just one thing. If you can stop it without taking their life, then you're absolutely obligated to do so. But if you can't, then you have to, kill that individual. And again, that applies also to a to a rape and so forth. If someone is chasing after a girl, a woman and so or a child or whatever it is to do something chasing, meaning they're going after it, then at that moment when there is a threat, then that is permitted to even take that person's life. So it's not that shalom there is any minimization, God forbid, in the seriousness of the abuse and the effect and the damage that is done. This is very, very, very serious. On the other hand, in regarding to something that was done already, so now, and here obviously it becomes very complicated. If this individual re- continues to being a threat to other people, they did it once and they got away with it and they will continue being a threat to other people, then it is possible. And if the only way to stop this person is by speaking Lashon Hara, nothing else is going to work, then maybe, uh, then that's permitted. Obviously if you're allowed to kill the person, I mean physically, so you're allowed to uh, kill the person Um, uh, spiritually as well shaming someone is called killing that person that would be allowed but it needs to be consulted with an authority of Torah just like if you're going to decide if you can eat a certain chicken or not certain meat or not you will consult a rabbi kosher or not if you can do something on Shabbos kosher or not destroying someone's character publicly and shaming someone is also an halachic question am I allowed to am I not allowed to it must be consulted now, at times, the best thing would be to go to the authorities, and that person would be punished. Um, now, if sometimes if you're going to the authorities, automatically, because of the nature of, this, of, of the way things are today, it will become, it, you can't help it, but it's going to become public knowledge, and the person will be shamed. Again, that might be your only option, and then that is the correct option. But what I am talking about is there's a, a certain sense, there is a, a lynching mob out there that is actually running around looking wherever we can take someone down. That is probably not kosher. And the thrill that people have in taking someone down, one has to ask himself a million times, is that because I really care and because it really bothers me? So on and so forth, or is because I like to see, I have a certain... Evil pleasure inside of me of watching someone bleed to death. So this is something that people need to consider. There is no blanket license to sit and embarrass and shame someone. Again, there are cases where that's when when when, when God forbid this can a person can be a harm to other people and continue to being a harm it's possible that that's the right course. But it needs to be consulted. And you need to consult the rabbi that's going to give you an honest opinion. Meaning, it's possible, if you go to a rabbi and you discuss with a rabbi, it's possible that the rabbi is, as I spoke about, has accepted bribery. Which means that the person is going to be a chicken and because this individual is someone in their community or someone that has power, monetarily or whatever it is, they're afraid to start up with that individual for their own benefit. And therefore they're going to hush it and tell you to be quiet and sweep it under the carpet. If that's the case, then that rabbi should not be a rabbi, he should not be telling people, or he should recuse himself and he says, I cannot give you an answer, go to someone else because I don't have the guts or I don't have the courage to tell you what needs to be said. On the other hand, if it's a rabbi who is going to give you an answer just because that's um, that's uh, what we call today uh, the the uh, cultural, that's the um, that's what people want to hear. That's what's popular now. That's also not. He's not giving you a true Torah answer. So you need to go to someone who is going to have who has the courage who will tell you the truth of how the Torah tells you to handle and is not afraid to confront that which needs to be confronted. Character recession, and people can't say. And I know there is a certain notion. That, that, that this case doesn't apply Lashon Hara because that person did a sexual sin and that's a terrible thing. Let's understand something. Lashon Hara is to speak about something that was done by the Yetzer Hara. Okay? Lashon Hara means evil talk. To speak about the evil that was done. And true, we're not talking about it. When it's not true, it's called motzi Shemra. That's called slander. When it's true, to speak about something that was done by Yetzir Hara. Now if anybody realizes Yetzir Hara in the Torah, the simple meaning of Yitzahara in Chazal, is referring to the Yitzahara of sexuality. That means that when the Torah says, yeah Now let us speak Larshan Hara, yes, it is is also including someone that did something that is a, a, a sexual sin. So this is very, very important that at least we become conscious of it and we understand. That if something is something that... The, if the Torah doesn't approve of something, it means that God doesn't approve of something. And if God doesn't approve of, of something, it cannot be good for anybody. So it's not the way to, 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 to... And as I mentioned, our guidelines, it needs to be consulted and needs to be done in a correct way. So may Hashem help that, that we should have on uh, the, the self-control, the, the sensitivity, and the understanding that everything in the world Torah gives us instructions. We need to consult the Torah. And if God, you talk about Esav, Esav, who was, <laughs> who was a, a murderer, a rapist, and the Torah, all the sins in the world, and an idolater, yet he was Jewish, and God refrained from not plastering it in the news, in the tabloids, but God refrained from telling his father. I guess Hashem knew that Yitzchak can't have an influence anymore on him, so it would be just gossip. The Eibishter God refrained from doing so. So it's very, very important for us to bear in mind that and to act wisely according to the way that the Torah wants us to act. And with this, we will merit the coming of Mashiach now.